0: Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast, where two church planters try to make one good point.
1: Welcome to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. We're glad that you are listening. It's a new year. We have a new co-host, Reverend Josh Kynes. He's planting parish church in Lafayette, Louisiana. If you don't know about Josh's ministry, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast from 21 where we introduced him to all the listeners of the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. Before we jump into our topic today, I wanted to mention a conference that's coming up April 18th through the 20th. It's a renewal conference. The keynote speaker is Dr. Irwin Entz, who is the new coordinator of Mission to North America. This conference is hosted not only by MA, but the Mid-South PCA Church Planning Network. It's going to be an independent Presbyterian church. There will be workshops on preaching, evangelism leadership pipelines church planning and much much more if you are interested in attending if this is something that you would like to come to if you need more information you can email our podcast reformed at gmail.com that's reformed planting at gmail.com
0: We've got a quick bit of business to take care of before we begin today. First, this episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, building the legal, business and technology infrastructure for church plants. Find out more at auxilio.partners/5points. Also, we want to give a plug for Addison Hall website design and development. Addison is an elder in the Presbyterian Church and has done website development for churches and church plants, as well as many other businesses. And we know firsthand that he does great work. Check him out at AddisonHallDesign.com and tell him Five Points sent you. Now back to the show. Our
1: topic today is perhaps... A little bit unusual. It involves what church planters can offer to established church pastors. Meaning, what advice do we have that might be helpful and encouraging for those who pastor churches that have been established for many, many years? Josh, this is born out of my own experience. It seemed like When i went to plant my first church all my time had been spent with pastors that had led established churches uh in seminary i was taught by you know scholars that most of their experience was being in established churches um, for those who had been pastors and and so I'm going to start a church and all the wisdom and most of the information I have and the mentoring and it is all coming from guys who have really never planted churches.
2: Um, what was,
1: what was it like for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it was probably a very similar experience. Um, you know, of course we were younger when we first started, you know, planning churches. And so in some ways we're, you know in a lot of ways we're really are pretty young in ministry and so you receive their counsel you know graciously you appreciate the insight but there's also a sense in which i felt like it, it felt sometimes a little bit uh dual purposed. uh one it was uh a certain s- amount of suspicion uh they wanted to make sure you understood the definite the biblical definition of the church as you were going to do it um and uh which i was always like i i'm, I'm I don't, I don't know if that's, you're, you're trying to guard something there or you just give it advice. And so sometimes I found myself struggling with that. And then two, um, I, I did sometimes it felt like a good, you know, cute pat on the head, uh, as we were kind of working through things. And, and there really is, uh, so much different about church planting that I, I found myself trying to kind of weed through and understand those things a little bit and, and to communicate, Hey, there's things that we bring to the table as well, just about the, the kind of missional nature of, of Launching out and doing these things from from scratch is it's really a fundamental fundamentally different set of, of gifts and uh, a level of, of of stepping out in faith, as we might say sometimes. That uh, that could also be a, a voice in the conversation as well that would be helpful. But it, it took some years before you know, uh, as you as you do that and walk through that, before you really realize that. Josh, that's a good word.
1: It's I think with age and maturity. Hopefully, a lot of maturity. Um, I've come to the realization that I've received so much advice and so much help over the years from established church pastors, who people that I've known along the way, people that have been friends, people that have been mentors, and it's been so helpful and so encouraging, and really instrumental in terms of how you pastor and lead a church. But one of the things that I've come the realization is that there are things that you can learn in church planning that might be helpful to established church pastors. And last night I did a Google search to see if there was a book, you know, advice from church planners to those who lead established churches. And I now again this was a quick search search, excuse me, I couldn't find one. And so as we come to this episode today, I thought it might be helpful for us to discuss what are some things from the church planning side of the aisle that might be helpful for established church pastors to know. So Josh, in your journey in church planting, what is something that jumped off the page for you that you wish that, you know, you could help those who are in churches, who've pastored churches, who I've never done church finding some things that you think would be helpful for them to see to understand
2: yeah thanks hunter I you know one of the things I think that jumps out most is you know I'm seven years into the current church plant uh here in Lafayette and we're in many ways we're transitioning from some of those kind of early <laughs> desperate years of church planting where you're just trying to get to that critical mass um, to in a more established kind of place, and and what I find myself kind of in tension over is the focus that's often taking place in ministry now where you're trying to figure out how to really grow and nurture disciples that are among you, um, how easy it is to lose focus on that kind of initial kind of um church multiplication uh church growth kind of focus that is so much that kind of feels more (laughs) feels more desperate in the early days as you're trying to to establish a church from the ground up and you know one of the things that i think i i realized is that i have to remind myself uh, in the you know in the ongoing kind of church growth process um and i think would be helpful for established church leaders is that you've got to you know church multiplication it is still the primary vision, that's still the primary New Testament vision. We're working walking through the book of Acts right now in our uh, sermon, Sunday morning sermon series. And it's, it's re- being reminded of the fact that multiplication of churches uh, is that means by which God is expanding his kingdom. And so this is not us building our own kingdoms, right? It's, uh, it's about church mul- multiplication for the advancement of his kingdom. Uh, it's not so much trying to protect that that we have now or, or trying to just make sure we hold on to what we have constantly getting lost in the ebb and flow of the daily kind of grind of, of nurturing people within the church, which is vital and necessary. But we need to continue to understand what it means to raise disciples and release them uh, into, um, you know, kingdom ministry and how to maintain that focus, that that primary kind of goal of ministry that we're after and i I think it it came to get really easily to settle into an established church and be more focused on sanctification of those who are there rather than pursuing the justification that um that we still want to see take shape in people's hearts and lives through salvation yeah i agree josh one of the things that i've seen is the
1: significance and the importance of having a very clear mission and vision and a set of core values that this is where we're going, this is where we're headed, this is what we're about as a church. Um, this is our plan for the next three years, the next five years, the next ten years. You know, most of the church planners I talk to, these are instrumental things. This is very significant and important in terms of leading your church plant. Um, the, the people of the church sharing in that vision and that mission and those core values and um, you know, the first time that I planted, uh we did that, you know, you were on board with me, and I routinely would doubt whether or not this was really that important. And when I left you know, ten years later, I, I saw the 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 thumbprints of that all over the DNA of the church the 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 vision, the mission, the core values. I mean, it wasn't one hundred percent, but it was it was really. Interesting to see that. And so the second time around, it's something I'm trying to do in the same clear fashion. And I believe that it's important. As I, you know, spend time with other churches and other pastors, established churches, um, often that vision and that mission and those core values have been forgotten. Um, they have gone by the wayside. And you can sometimes see it. The church seems to be uh, in cruise control, if you will. And often (laughs) that's not a bad thing. But uh, I think, you know, if I could have a lunch with an established church pastor, I would say, brother, you know, have a very clear vision, have a mission, have core values. And, and hold it up before your church so that they know it and they understand it. Your leadership believes in it. Everybody understands uh, where you're headed as a church or what you're hoping to accomplish or, you know, what you want to do for the glory of God. I think that's a pretty significant thing that in church planning we seem to see pretty clearly and established churches not so much.
2: Yeah, I believe a, a good example of this, you know, Hunter, just to, by way of illustration, is actually in your own, you know, your current church. You've, you've shared this with me, and, and I think it's encouraging to me to hear it. But as a, a young couple uh, in your current church plant that was actually a, a, a kid and ultimately a youth in, in the church that we helped plant in Madison, uh, that when he moved near y'all uh, up, up north, uh, Mississippi, uh, wanted to be a part of what y'all were doing. Uh, I'm just not naming names on the podcast, but he wanted to be a part of what y'all are doing. He's joined your core group and wanted to be a part of what, what you're doing because he remembers those early days and the joy of planning something, starting something, being a part of kind of kingdom multiplication, church growth, church multiplication. Uh, and he's there with you now uh, in your current church. Uh, same vision, same desire, because we, it was something that was built in his DNA that he loved being a part of even as a kid. Uh, In youth um, in Madison when we when we started the church there.
1: I had a pastor not too long ago who leads a congregation that's over 100 years old, you know, tell me or ask me the significance of this. And I, you know, it was interesting to walk through the history of the church with him and to talk about this. And he was confusing on some level you know, the means of grace and vision, mission and core values. And, you know, I told him uh, that the means of grace, the preaching, the teaching, the prayer, the fellowship, the sacraments, um, you know, that's the cornerstone And, and that doesn't change. And that's what is most important to the church. But you also have to think through the dynamics of, where are we going to be three years from now? And where are we going to be 10 years from now? And what do we hope to accomplish in our children's ministry? Where, What do we hope to accomplish in discipleship? And what are we doing in terms of outreach? And are new people coming in to our church? And if not, why not? And that's what I'm trying to get at in terms of the significance of this and helping um, this is this is key for church plants. I, I don't really know how you do it if you haven't thought through this carefully as a church planter. And I think it's something that we can bring to the table with pastors of churches that are not church plants to say, hey, revisit this. Think about this. Uh, strategize with your leadership, your elders, your deacons, the ministry team leaders. This is important. And it, you know, to use the analogy from the book, Good to Great, it helps get people on the same bus in the same seat moving in the right direction. Josh, what's a, What's another? What's another aspect of
2: this that that comes to the top of your head? yeah there's the the old adage you know sometimes the best growth comes by subtraction uh you know in church planning that's one of those kind of necessity things in the early days because um so you know you have this smaller core group and you know one one bad egg or one kind of contrary voice and frankly you know what church often happens with church plants is that a lot of people are looking for a place to go uh provide influence they've they've you know they've been run off from other places or dynamics or haven't been able to feel like their voice was significant elsewhere so they come to find this small little startup thing so they can they can they can you know put their fingerprint on the things that are there and there's always this kind of you know both desire to reach everyone when you start a church plant but also the kind of care and concern you got to pay attention about those who would come in and really seek to sabotage or hijack the the mission and vision uh, of the church uh and especially the the you know unique church plant that you're starting and so sometimes you know you have to learn early on sometimes the best growth that can take place in your church is to look at somebody and say i don't think we're the best fit for you or the best home for you and those are always hard conversations to have and if you, you you tend to shy away from conflict there's it's some of the most difficult things you'll do in ministry but uh, I think that some of the most necessary, I think with established churches, you get to a place where people are more, they're more established relationally and historically and financially or, or whatever kind of reason or variation it may be. And you find yourselves not wanting to to stir the hornet's nest or, or disturb the peace or what 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 the case may be. You find yourself placating and And oftentimes, I think it'd be very easy to find yourself in a position where you're constantly just managing conflicts, problems and squeaky wheels (laughs) um, uh, in the church. And and sometimes the best thing that can that can be done is to, you know, take the make the hard stands, have the hard conversations uh, and encourage people to understand where the church is going and what does it mean to kind of stay on or get off. Uh, that dynamic. Those are hard in established churches, um, but sometimes the best way forward (laughs) is to take that step back. And uh, I think that can be uh, sometimes feel a lot more difficult in established churches than church plants. Yeah, Josh, another one
1: actually happened not too long ago for me was a pastor of a church came to me and said, help me see what I'm not seeing. And you know, I like the way that church plants are new and fresh, and how you go to great lengths to present yourself to your neighborhood, your community, to people who are unchurched and de I love those dynamics. Um, how can we do that? So, help, you know, walk with me through the church uh, physically, actually, and theoretically. And, Help me think like a church planner. And one of the things that I noticed right off the bat was just appearance. You know, as church planners, appearance is unbelievably important because often we meet in the world's ugliest gym, or we meet in an elementary school cafeteria, or we meet in a community center. And so we're working very hard to make the uh, location where we're gathering as a church plant. To uh, to appear on some level like a church, we're very concerned about those that are unchurched. We're very concerned about those that are dechurched. We're thinking through the dynamics of visitors walking in the door. That's that's the air you breathe as a church planter, and and with established church pastors, that's often not the case. And so I remember, you know, walking the exterior of the church and walking the interior of the church and just pointing out things that could be done to to make the church uh, I'm not sure what the right word is but to uh, to be more updated um, you know some of the language within the church from the bulletins to the signage sometimes didn't make sense and it was good for a, you know, a visitor to walk through my, the visitor being myself and seeing those things and communicating that um, to the pastor. It's, it's like when you go to sell your house and the realtor comes in. I mean, this happened to us not too long ago and pointed out about 20 things that I had not noticed. I mean, it just jumped off the page once the realtor pointed it out. Goodness, we've got to get those things done. We've got to get those things taken care of. Otherwise, we're just we're just never going to be able to sell this house. And as I you know, walked the exterior of the church and looked at the interior of the church, um, things began to just just things were just readily apparent that needed to be changed that I thought would be helpful. Um, you know, for example, the sign that was on the outside of the church it's on a main road in a main part of town, you know put the web address on that sign so that people don't have to search on google to find to find you. Um, and that's just a small example. Uh, looking through the bulletin, and does this make sense to someone who's never been to church does this make sense to someone who did not grow up presbyterian you know i remember the first time my wife ever visited the church that i grew up in she was grew up baptist grew up in the church had never been to a presbyterian or reformed worship service we got in the car afterwards and again we were just college students this was not something that we were Um, you know, thinking about and talking about like we like we do in the present. And I remember her asking her asking about 10 to 15 questions of these are things I just didn't understand. Um, And so church planners. Have to think about these things and flesh these things out. And I think this could be a real, you know, help to pastors who lead established congregations to, you know, what is. Why do we do what we do, and what do things look like, and how do we appear to our community? How, what do we look like to unchurched and dechurched people, and how can we present ourselves in a welcoming and winsome and gracious and understandable light?
2: Yeah, I, I you know, I'll add to that if I can, because early on when we started the church plant in Madison, um, you know, you had me walk into a gymnasium and. And, uh, and you basically said, I need to, you to know, make this gym a, a worship, you know, uh, in a service a, in a place for a worship service. And I looked around and there's these ginormous yellow and bright yellow and blue banners hanging from the roof. And, uh, you know, this gym floor and all the sterile things that come with gymnasiums. And, you know, my first impulse was to start with just some, you know, basic let's put a stage up there maybe a little backdrop something like that but the more you kept communicating to me we've got to make it a full on we've got to erase the awkwardness of this room i'm like well that that's a taller order and next thing you know we're making a an entry room where you curtains that they enter into a space where they don't have to actually take in the entire gymnasium at once and you're having book tables and informational tables you're having greeters people you know and so thinking through all the little nitpicky things and some of it's like let me, let me, let me just keep from having any obstacle. Um, you know, for the gospel, for um, they're feeling welcome, for their you know signage that allows them to, to be where they need to go, to know where they got to go, where they're not having to guess. When it's already an insecure process of trying out a new place, making it very clear where they're going, what they're doing, people there to help, thinking through fundamental, basic hospitality at a outreach at church multiplication kind of focus and understanding um was so important at Madison Heights. It's what I learned when I was there. And when I got here, I live in Lafayette, Louisiana. We're a totally chill culture. They thought I was they thought I was overdoing everything um, on every front. They wanted to simplify everything by way of hospitality because that's the kind of culture it is. But when I kept putting putting my foot down, going, no, we need people to feel welcome when they walk through the door and and know what it means to to be engaged and to care for, they began to see the importance. And I've had several of the folks since then come to me and said, you know, I didn't understand the importance of these things uh, until you kept pressing that issue over and over again, uh, you know, for the sake of showing and demonstrating hospitality in a good and solid way. So yeah, vitally important. It's something I think we lose sight of when we get kind of in our established churches. We just think it's all there and working, you know, Uh, it's good. One of
1: the things that is key for church plants, Josh, is outreach and evangelism. And if you're going to survive, you're going to have to go out into your community and you're going to have to develop relationships with people who are not in church, people who are de churched. Um, you You even need to understand the importance as a church planner of finding those people who have moved into your community that are perhaps looking for a church and helping them understand the uh, importance of being a part of a church plan. These are things that you're constantly thinking about as a church planner, and sometimes in an established church, you have your people and you have your building, and you have your budget and so it can, and I've had numerous pastors of established churches talk to me about this, that there can be a sense in which I'm, and this is probably a bad metaphor, but I'm just going to go sit in my study and I'm going to work on the sermon and I'm going to shepherd my people and I'm going to lead my elders. And then i look up and I realize that we have forgotten about the necessity, importance, and significance of evangelism and outreach. And again, I think that goes back to mission and vision and core values. But that it's not that you set out to do that. It's just it's not as vital or critical in some sense in terms of survivability in church planning. So if we don't do if we don't reach out to new movers if we don't seek the unchurched if we don't network and develop relationships with the D church if we don't do all of these things more than likely the church plants going to fail and in an established church and I don't mean this from a biblical standpoint but it can be less vital and so I tell guys who pastor churches that, have been around for many, many years, who don't have church planning experience, you have to weave that into the DNA of your church. You have to be proactive about new movers and the dechurched and unchurched. And you've got to think through that very carefully. What are we going to do as a church to reach out to our community? And I remember when... I was helping a church with some revitalization efforts and we just did a very simple survey we went around the neighborhood where the church was located and we knocked on doors and we just asked the neighbors what do you know of this church and it was shocking to the pastor to come to the realization that the neighborhood knew nothing about the church nothing and you know, he told me, we talked about this. I feel like we felt our, the community. And uh, we, you know, strategized some very simple ways that they could uh, just love their neighbors and make themselves known on a greater level in their community uh, beyond like strategic evangelistic efforts. It's, you know, it's a, it's a collective way in which you approach your community. It's, it's not just one thing, it's several things to say, this is who we are. We care about you. We want you to understand who we are as a family and how significant the grace of Jesus Christ is to us. And so as a church planner, one of the things that I often try to do when I have breakfast or lunch with established church pastors is just to encourage them regarding those outreach and evangelistic efforts that are so vital to what we do.
2: Hey, Hunter, tell me, tell me maybe, and, and, and I can, we, we maybe both could do this a little bit, just some basic ideas. What, what, what are some tangible ways that you think, you know, that pushing out of, just getting out of your study and out of your church and, and finding ways to connect into the community, maybe some tangible ways as church planners that we've learned to do that, or we've, by necessity, we've done it because we're trying to start something, and that might be encouraging thoughts for established church pastors to, to begin doing something like that you've talked about new movers and you've used some language that i understand i wonder if folks really understand what that means or how you'd go about doing some of those pursuing some of those things
1: sure uh, you know again it's definitely multifaceted um, i'm always looking for like, individually as a church planning pastor i'm always looking for opportunities to meet people I'm always looking for ways that I can enter into new groups, new networks. Um, uh, you know, f- one of those uh, funny uh, is f- fantasy football in my neighborhood. Uh, that's one thing that I did, a very small measure, but it's actually proved somewhat fruitful. Coaching in the community, flag football, youth basketball, getting to know the parents. I'm always looking for ways that I can meet other people in my community to introduce myself, to get to know them, to build a relationship. And that's that's one way. Uh, You know, another way is new movers. Uh, There are people moving into the community that don't have a church. And so um, some people may seem, think this is old fashioned, but like a new mover's program that you can utilize as a church to say, Hey, hello, this is who we are. Um, This is what we're about. Find out more. Um, You know, we moved into this new community about two years ago and to date, we've never had a church send us anything or communicate anything to us. Um, And again, I know that may sound a little bit old fashioned in these days of social media, but you know, now I delete most things that come through my email or on, I don't look at things very long on social media. When I get something in the mailbox, I'm actually shocked and surprised and sometimes stop and look at it. Um, You know, another example is doing outreach events as a church, just saying, hey, we care about you. Um, One of the things that we did, and, and we're just beginning this as a church plant, but you know, you you go to a local school and you say, "Hey, we want to provide breakfast for you. We appreciate how you serve the children of our community." Now, some public school systems will allow you to do that. Some won't. If you can't do the public school, try to do a private school. We've done an outreach at the place where we meet as a church plant. Uh, nothing more than just giving people a, a devotional and a, a note saying that um, we would love for you to visit. And, uh, and it was really unbelievable to watch the response of some people that, wait a second, you're giving us a free gift? How kind, how thoughtful. Um, and so it's purposely thinking through what are some different ways That we can reach out into our community on an individual level as the as the pastor and on a group level as the church. Um, Here's another example: going to homes around your church and knocking on the door and just saying, "How can we pray for you?" Showing them that you care, um, you know, extending the right hand of fellowship to them. Um, I, I remember doing that, Josh, and people being you know, shocked that I wasn't, you know, trying to save their soul right there that moment and then really opening up about how I could pray for them. And I remember some people saying, you know, I'm not really religious, but, you know, that's really kind. And here's some things that I'm struggling with. And then it gives you the opportunity to follow up with those people by sending them notes in the mail and saying it was good to meet with you and um, if there's anything else I can do, let me know. And I remembered those relationships coming to fruition over time. Now it's not in mass; it's it's usually a small number. But but, but these are just examples of how you can show that you care and 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 really lift high the cross of Christ.
2: Yeah, I um, what struck me and one of the things you said when we, you were leading this, you know, section off was the language of the, you know going out of the community and finding out the community didn't didn't know much about the church, didn't have much much information about them, and the pastor, you know, looking up saying we failed the community, but in some ways, um, the question then follows up with, well, what is the what does the pastor ministry know about the neighborhood, and. Some of the best ways you can get out to it is sometimes it's not so much just trying to to meet and invite people to church, sometimes just really, really get to know your community, go meet with principals, find out what are the pressing issues that they see in the high schools, talking to the local chief of police, the local firefighters, um, trying to find a time where you can get, uh, there's a collective group of pastors here in the area that get together once a a month and, and pray with the chief of police here, play with the sheriff, Finding ways just to do that with some other brothers and that you can lock arms with in ministry in the community, and just investing in so that those kind of people who have primary voice in the community can know what your heart is and what you're about, and that becomes a a networking opportunity as they begin to know and meet and know more people and engage more people, and then. You know, I, I think the coaching thing that you mentioned. I'm coaching three, <laughs> three basketball teams right now, uh, only because the only way for me to not be out every night with a basketball uh, kid in basketball is to coach all the teams and put practice on the same night. Um, but I've been coaching in that league for six years since you know nearly seven since we first got here, and uh, the same league, same people. First three years, I tell you, I, I couldn't I couldn't give you an ounce of fruit from from what came of that, but fifth sixth seventh year of coaching uh everybody knows me there now they know who i'm about they know what i'm about they've watched me coach they've watched how i've demonstrated can you know carried myself um and they're beginning to know me as a regular face in the community i'm I'm coaching their kids their kids are walking away having kind of the positive experience one of their better experiences in, in in their time there those kind of things speak volumes over time and sometimes it's not just You can't everything's on a project like if I do this this year, will it change my attendance? Well, no, it's who are you in the community? How are you invested on the long haul doing the same thing again and again for five, six and seven years? Um, Sometimes it doesn't pay dividends till later, but your investment in the community uh, is vital for that long term kind of growth and sustainability uh, and outreach in the community. Yeah, Josh,
1: and you know, there's guys, pastors who are listening to this and. Their immediate feedback is probably, you know, I'm in a medium sized church. I'm in a large church. I have elders meetings. I have deacons meetings. I have to preach. I have to teach. I have communicants classes. I have new members classes. You know, I don't have the freedom and I don't have the availability in terms of outreach and evangelism that church planters have. And that's why I'm a big proponent of church planting and church multiplication. I think we both hear, hear that and we understand that and um, I don't disagree and I don't mean this to be a, a wag the finger type of thing. I mean, they are different roles It is very different being an established church pastor and being a church planner. I think we both would agree that from our experience in planting, we would say, yes, you are very busy um, with church and with family, and you can't do it to the level that a church planter can. But you should, even if you look at the Gospels and Acts and the rest of the New Testament, um, it should be a part of your ministry, um, even at a a micro level. And secondarily, um, thinking through outreach and evangelism in terms of the church as a whole. And and there's always time for that. And so it's, you know, it's hard to say, it's hard to give that advice to, to people that are just wonderful shepherds and pastors. But I think as church planners, we often look at established churches and say, wow, we just wish that you had a greater focus on outreach and
2: evangelism. Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think the excuse. I, I, look, I could find the excuse myself now. Seven years in, uh, um, you know, we've kind of hit that critical mass number of people. There's a lot of counseling and shepherding and vision and establishment. And you know, one of the other big issues about church planting um, that's vital in the from the early days is if you if you want to <laughs> if you want to multiply and grow, you better first be focused on multiplying leadership uh, in the church and. Cultivating leadership. And I think what happens a lot of times in in established churches is, is that it kind of is what it is when you get there and you're just kind of working from an established leadership rather than to an established leadership. And consistently having a mentality that I'm my job is always to cultivate new leadership um, because I need to continue to, to release disciples to do ministry. My job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry not to be the person that is always doing the ministry but to equip the saints for the work of ministry and if I'm multiply, multiplying leaders one of the greatest ways to do that is to look up i've done this we've got a couple of guys on staff now here at the church and one of the things we're doing in this new year is i've lost focus on ministry and mission trying so hard to manage what i've had because i've not had a lot of help and so one of our kind of first agenda you know first items on the agenda list for this new year is all right where are each of you invested in the community and where are each of you invested in ministry outside of our church? Let's, let's all hold ourselves accountable in doing that well. And then who are we bringing alongside of us? Um, who are we investing in at, and modeling that kind of mentality and focus as we're cultivating new leadership going forward? um that's the focus of our staff that's the focus of our elders um, as we go forward and, and as we're training deacons this first semester of the year it'll be the focus that we communicate to them as well so yes it's a, we're overwhelmed yes it seems difficult but just just choose one thing <laughs> um and have everybody on your staff choose one thing that, that that'll get you out and invested in the community and if there's four or five of you there in your middle-sized church or your larger church you know seven or eight or ten staff you know people then if all of you are doing that then then you've kind of you've done a good job already of blanketing the, the kind of immediate community in very productive ways so um thinking through that well is is important even as even as we're all busy in the task of ministry
1: Josh another thing that I think about um and this conversation comes up a good bit when I'm talking to pastors of established churches again let me say you know there's probably 50 things that pastors of of those type of churches, non-church planting churches, there's probably 50 to 100 things that they could tell us, um, that they could remind us, uh, ways in which they could encourage us. Um, it, I do think there are a few ways that church plants could, and church planting pastors could encourage established church pastors. One of them is fellowship. I mean, fellowship is, I mean, if you don't have fellowship in a church plant, I think you're thumped. Because you're bringing together people from different walks of life. You're hopefully bringing together a core group of people that have been in the church. You're bringing together some folks that maybe have not been in church, some folks that maybe have never been in church and different ages, different backgrounds. And they're all new to this. And if you don't, Master the art of fellowship, if you will. I think your church plan is in trouble. And as you look at the Gospels and you look at Acts, you, you realize how significantly important fellowship is to the lifeblood of the church. And so, it's one of the things that, in both church plants and in speaking and talking with other church planters, that I always emphasize is the necessity and significance of fellowship. Learn each other, get to know each other, spend time with each other, love each other. Um, It's okay if the church is enjoyable. It's okay if the church is fun. And I think in reform circles, it's okay to say you don't have to have a Bible study every time you get together. Fellowship builds and strengthens that family. Uh, Fellowship is is critical and you know that's something that i've just stressed over and over again in church planning but often in established churches that can be easily forgotten we have a building we have a budget we have pews we have people they're here they're coming for sunday school they're coming for worship they're coming for sunday night um to build in times of fellowship into the life of the church so that you can strengthen the core of your family, that they can, um, and I think about the Prudential commercial, you know, don't be like your parents, but so that they can, you know, spend time living together and laughing together and loving together. Now throw the sign out like the commercial says, but this is all so important for church plants and it should be for established churches as well.
2: It was, a, yeah, I remember that being a major focus at Madison Heights, and it was, um, uh, you know, when we first got started. And honestly, it was vital to our growth. Uh, my kids still remember uh, Kinky the Kinkachu uh, that walked around on my shoulder. Uh, when we had an exotic petting zoo for one of our church picnics (laughs) it was uh we went a little overboard on that one and it but it was such a such a memorable event the people enjoyed getting together they invited friends it was a outreach to the community it was an establishing a fellowship within the community it was a little over the top and different just so that it Mm -hmm. provided a little extra something to the uh to the dynamic and we've done a lot of that here you know having a you know, making a gumbo is what you do in, in uh, South Louisiana. So we'll, we'll make a gumbo. We'll, we'll uh, you know, some jambalaya or something. We'll put together some food, invite friends from the neighborhood. We've done a cinema, what we call cinematic Christmas around Christmas. We, you know, we have a big screen behind the pulpit and a projector. And so we come in and play classic Christmas movies, you know, Charlie Brown's Christmas and stuff like that. And we invite kids from the neighborhood and feed them and have little, Fun crafts and games and things for them to do and it's an outreach event and a a fellowship time for our families and kids and just trying to find creative ways to invite people in to have a good time and to fellowship and to enjoy one another has been uh, an enormously easy um, kind of entry point into the church that's not quite as intimidating as showing up on a sunday morning and having to greet a bunch of people and 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 find your way in and not really know what to expect but if you walk into a church having already met somebody at a previous event you familiar face when you walk through the door man what an easy what an easy entry point churches that are so big that you just can't do that or you get to a place where that seems like a, a pretty big um thing to orchestrate you know, you know one of two things needs to happen. One, you put the energy in and create those spaces and do that, find a way to make it work or it's time to multiply, and create, you know, plant churches that plant churches that plant churches so that these become realistic um, ventures and opportunities for you to continue to engage in that way.
1: So it's it's challenging as a church planner. at least it is for me, um, you know, to to talk with established church pastors, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like sometimes they're in the major leagues and I'm in triple A. You know, you pastor, you pastor a church with a steeple, you know? And, and so over the years, it's been, I've been asked to give advice and it's hard. And, and I hope this episode doesn't come across as we have it all figured out or we're experts. That's definitely, not the case. I just think there's some things that both you and I have learned along the way that might be helpful for people who've never planted a church. I think that's the gist of what
2: we're trying to communicate in this episode. Well, guys, thank you all for listening to today. Just to reiterate what Hunter said, uh, you know, these things are, are done just as a desire to, to love and serve as we have been loved and served by established church pastors, even as we got started. and. Uh, I think collectively as we love and serve one another, we can we, we can continue to grow as a church. Good to be with you today, and I look forward to our next time.
0: That's the last word for now. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at 5Point Planting or by email at reformplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. This podcast is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.